Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Well, Ray, I got back to the Bay Area after being at the NCAA tournament for a couple of weeks, and uh, I was greeted with opening day for the Giants, blowing a 6-1 to lead with a bunch of walks and everything. And now this Warriors game on Friday night, where they lose by 53, and they at one point had trailed by 61. It looked like they were trying to get the record or something for worst loss in NBA history. They didn't get that, but it did remind me of uh, some of those nights when you were on KMBR, Ray, when you had had to talk people off the ledge. And I would think that a lot of people were having to be uh, you know, talked off that ledge the last 24 hours here in the Bay Area with the way things went with the Giants and now the Warriors. Yeah, this has been especially challenging for the last 24 hours. And I was, I was definitely having flashbacks uh, last couple of nights. I mean, you know, the main thing thing about that Warrior game, I think they were down by one after the first quarter. And, <laughs> yeah. And then they got outscored in the second and third quarters, 81 to 30. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 81 to 30. Who does that? Well, the Warriors did tonight. If you wanted to see uh, what it looks like when a G League team plays an NBA team, that's a pretty close approximation um, because they played like a G League team. Actually, I might be insulting G League teams <laughs> by, by saying that. I mean, that, that, as Steve Kerr summed it up post game, he said it's, it's embarrassing. It's uh, embarrassing for everyone involved. Uh, yeah, to, to put it mildly, that's exactly what it was. And uh, humiliating, I think, actually was the word he used. They're interchangeable. Uh, I, I don't know what you say about that. Yeah, they, did, they didn't have Steph and they didn't have Draymond, but NBA teams don't usually lose games, even when they're missing some of their best players. They don't lose them by that much. So, yeah, it was a humiliation. And, uh, although I will say I was at the Warriors' worst loss ever when they lost by 63 to the Lakers. So they didn't try that hard for the, for the record tonight. Yeah, so that was what, 1972, I think? Yep. And, uh, uh, and, and 1991 was the worst loss in NBA history. That was the Cavaliers beating the Miami Heat by 68, 148 yes. to 80. Yeah, that was awesome. And that was, you know, back in the 90s when scoring was down, uh, a team put up 148. Uh, this this particular game, you know, the, that Laker team, uh, it was at the Forum, and that was the Laker team that won 33 in a row. Uh, and... They ended up 69-13, and 13, which at the time was the best record in NBA history for a single season. Ended up winning the title. I mean, they had Will Chamberlain, they had Jerry West, they had Gale Goodrich, they had a deep squad. But the Warriors weren't that bad that year. I think they won 51 games. It was just the night where, well, this is what summed up the night. I forget who the Warrior player was, probably fortunately, but <laughs> went in for a wide-open dunk. And the ball hit the heel and ricocheted all the way out to midcourt. Keith Erickson picked it up and said, Pat Riley, for an easy layup. <laughs> and that, that pretty much summed up that night for the for the Warriors. But that wasn't a bad team. This team, without Steph, without Draymond, they're, they're terrible. Uh, you know, you've got Wiggins and Oubre and uh, a very young squad and a couple of guys, I think, who really don't belong in the NBA right now. But... That's, that's the state of their roster at the moment. And, I, you know, in my opinion, it's all about next year. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't think they're trying super hard. They don't look like they are. And, of course, Steph has been hurt with the tailbone. But I don't think it just 
strikes me, I don't think anybody would be broken up if they don't make the playoffs, and they're in danger of not doing that now. They're playing themselves out of the play-in. Now, it's supposed to be a play-in, and you're playing yourself out of it, <laughs> the way things are going. So I, I, all I can say is right now the trends are all going in the wrong direction. Steph is coming back. They're, they're at least a competitive team with Steph, but without them, uh, they're garbage. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I mean, they're really playing horrible basketball of late, and to lose this way – against a team that's 19 and 30. I mean, that really says a lot about the way they're playing, you know, and especially like you said, without Steph and Draymond, they don't have much, but you know, I wonder about the attitude of the team because you're talking about playing yourself out of the 10th spot and it doesn't seem to be one of those things where they have a lot of motivation because you already heard Draymond Green just yesterday saying that, you know, he's not too excited about playing for the number 10 spot in, in that playing game. And even Steve Kerr admitted that, hey, we don't have a championship type team. So there isn't a lot of enthusiasm to even make the playoffs, it seems like, with this team. Yeah, that's that's why I said that. I, I, I don't sense that there's a whole lot of gung-ho uh, to, to make a playing game. I think Draymond was being, as he often is, brutally honest. And, and, you know, to clarify, what he was saying was losing basketball games is what ticks him off. It's not so much whether they're playing themselves out of a, you know, artificially concocted playoff scenario because it's a shortened season. I, I don't think that's what drives him, and that doesn't look like that. That's what's driving this franchise. It's more about development. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a shame because they're wasting a prime step year where he looked as good as ever to start the year, and now he's you know gotten hurt a little bit, and that's changed the dynamic quite a bit. And they're very much in danger of becoming a team once again. And I don't know if in the in the grand scheme of things that there's going to be a whole lot of uh, moaning about that if, if that's what they end up with. I think it's it's all geared toward next year, hoping hoping that Clay is going to come back and be Clay. We don't know that yet. Uh, and then, you know, how do you take this roster over the summertime once again? And it seems to me like Bob Myers and Steve Kerr have earned that trust because they have three rings. But, you know, given the trend of the last couple of years and the fact that you've got an arena that eventually you want to fill again, I think they get one more crack at this next season because this is the window right here. And yeah. I, I just think we're look, still looking at the, the 21-22 preseason. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. I mean, you've said that before, and I agree. And uh, but one of the key players, uh, as far as how he's going to do now and then going into the future, is James Wiseman. There, you know, really are all eyes on him right now. How, how is he developing? And it, it seems like he's sort of taking a step backwards, Ray. Lately, he's not playing great basketball at all. Uh, it's not so much even the scoring; it's more he looks confused on defense. He's you know turning the ball over. He just seems to be ultra frustrated and uh, not really in sync with teammates other than Steph Curry. I mean, you saw there was one pass that Jordan Poole made to him, and he, he wasn't even there for it. He wasn't ready for it. And, you know, just plays yeah. like that that make you wonder, like, where is he going right now? It doesn't seem like he's improving. Well, I, I've said it a few times, and I'll probably say it maybe one or two more times about how inexperienced he is. And, you know, we see that he does have talent. Uh, and it's just a matter of putting them in the right situation. But the, the deal is, if you're going to be developmental with certain players, you've got to develop them and put them in a, in a position to get some confidence. And it seems like it, this has been in the worst possible case for Wiseman this year. He hasn't been able to do the things he does best within this offense. And I've harped on this before. They put him on the low post against bigger 
more uh, experienced NBA centers, and it's it's not going to work. You can't muscle anybody down in the post. That's not where he should be. And the problem for him is he thinks once the ball goes in that he's got to make a move, and that's not always the case. There are times when there's no opening there, and you got to take it back out. I think slowly but surely getting to learn that, but uh, at the same time, it, it, it sounded like they were starting to do more high pick and rolls with him, which I think, and I think a lot of fans believe this, would work much better for a player like White. So I think they're they're kind of in a quandary with him now because they haven't put him in the best positions. I think they're, they've been searching for best ways to use the guy, and they haven't really found it yet. And in the meantime, his season's been kind of chopped up because once again, had the COVID protocol, and he's gotten discouraged. I mean, he's gotten the, the, the dummy shoulders that we used to talk about with Brandon Bell. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a, uh, compared to some of the other high draft picks, it's been a rough first year for this. There comes a point where you can't use that inexperience as an excuse anymore. Uh, you know, everybody thought he was going to be a top three pick. So that's not the deal here. Uh, but at some point, the player has to live up to that. So maybe it will be a Jordan Poole situation where you go through the rough first year, uh, then you do some work in the off season, and you come back ready to go, understanding what it's going to take in the next season and having a better team around you in the next season. But they've got to figure out the best way to use this guy, and I don't think they've found that yet. No, I don't think, it, I, and I really do think he needs to work more on his low post moves. We talked about that. I mean, he's going to take his threes every once in a while, but just you know, the mid range shots, he's, he's got to get more confidence. And then same with Nico Mannion, he's got to get more confidence. I mean, he's been turning the ball over, and uh, you know, every once in a while, he'll he'll show some flashes of brilliance. I mean, he has a, a good uh, three ball shot. You know, he, he definitely has good form on his shot, but. Um, you know he's making those rookie mistakes, and I think you're right. Jordan Poole is a good example of how somebody could step up uh, and really improve quickly. You know, quicker than maybe you would think. Uh, in this game, notwithstanding, because he didn't play, he did not play well in this game against Toronto. But overall, Poole has really been great in the last uh, month or so. Well, yeah, he has been, uh, and you know, I and I know that sometimes draft picks are political, and. Some teams just want to push a guy to show that, hey, we got this bargain. And I think Manion was picked 48th overall. So if they hit with him, it's going to be a real bonus. But he doesn't look ready, especially at the defensive end. He's getting worked over defensively. Yeah, he's got a nice three point shot. There's some good aspects to his game, but he needs to be in the G League. <laughs> you know, they need to be a more experienced player if they're about actually winning basketball games because. Uh, he ain't it. Now, he was playing tonight because Steph was out, so they, ideally he should be playing in the G League, and they should have some more depth. What about some of the veteran guys right now, Ray? Because uh, I mean, they're starting to lose motivation, I think. I mean, like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they're not playing well at this point, and they're the ones who should be sort of leading the younger guys. I don't see that happening, and I think Eric Paschal's another guy who's not really progressing. I know he's been banged up; he's got an ankle issue right now. But yeah. you got you've got players that are just not progressing at this point. It's, it's it's almost like they're running out of gas at this point in the season. I, I guess. Yeah, it's it's it, the pieces aren't fitting like we we hope they were or look like they would there for a while. Um, and, and yeah, injury has been a part of it. Pascal kind of looks like a, a lost soul right now. 
you know, last year when they won 15 games, he got free reign. He looked pretty good, but that was on a bad team. This team is is a little bit better, but uh, you know, where does he fit in there? You know, coming off the bench, that's that's part of the problem too. So you know, they were trying him as a five at some point, but eventually that didn't work out. And you know, he's one of these tweener players who I think can play in this league and have the ability to score. He's he's tough, but he's he's undersized. And I really thought that he would have been a trade piece at the deadline. I'm not saying that, that you would get anything for him individually per se, but just part of a trade package. I thought if there was going to be a trade, he would be part of it because he needs to go somewhere where he can just ball and, and you know, not worry about the results and, it, and you know, being a place where, uh, you know, his talents would help the team out. I don't think it, they're helping the Warriors out uh, so much here. It just doesn't seem to be a good fit. So I don't know what happens in the offseason. You know, salary considerations are certainly part of it. Uh, but I, 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 I could see this roster still being made over quite a bit before next year. And I, I don't know if some of these guys are going to be there. It's going to be interesting to see, too, in the last uh, you know couple of months of the season here, what the Warriors do as far as you know playing time. You know, Steph and, and uh, Draymond – I'm not even sure, you know, how many of these games are going to play. I mean, if they're banged up at all, they're going to sit out. Obviously, they are, you know, they already said, as we mentioned, they're they're not really all that keen on this tenth spot anyway. So, how much do you risk injury with Steph and Draymond? And, and they're aggravated with the losing as it is. I mean, you know, Draymond said that. I'm sure Steph feels the same way. Well, it's like I say, I, I don't know how heartbroken they'd be if they they lose a few games here and they fall out of the play-in spot. And it may just be shrug your shoulders and say, okay, let's just rest these guys. You know, let's give them some rest. I mean, figure out an injury for them. And then that's not hard to figure out stuff because his tailbone has been really bothering him. But maybe, you know, at some point, and it could be very soon, within the next couple of weeks, they say, you know, that's enough of this. Uh, we're not going to make a run for it. Let's give these guys some time off and gear up for next year. I think, we're, you know, it, it feels to me like, preseason mode for next season anyway but i think you're, i think you're really going to see that in the next couple of weeks if things go south and it sure looks like they are going south but with the uh news that came down today about the uh fans being allowed to come in hopefully uh into chase center it's looking that way anyway it has to get cleared through the city of san francisco but there could be around nine games i believe that the warriors could have fans at the arena yeah. So that would change the whole outlook, too, I would think. Not so much for playoffs, but just that you want to entertain those fans. You're going to have Steph and Draymond on the floor. Oh, yeah. You'll try to get them on the floor for those games if you can. And then pick your spots around that. I mean, I could definitely see that happening. Um, at least for the first few games, you want to get them on the floor at Chase Center. But I think at that point, the fans are going to realize what this team is as well. And, you know, I've been asking the question for, for weeks now. What is this team? What is this season about? Well, it looks like we're getting the answer now, and it's not a great answer. But, yeah, if you're going to have fans back, they're going to want to see Steph. So I think the Warriors will do what they can to make that happen. So the Warriors are now heading to Atlanta to play the Hawks, and there's been you know, major news coming out of Georgia You know, as far as the election situation. And Steve Kerr even commented about how Major League Baseball made the right move to move the uh, – all-star game out of Atlanta. They don't know where it's going to go yet, 
But, uh, you know, how, how do you see what's going on there and as far as the way the NBA players are reacting to it or, you know, what they will do as far as a reaction to what happened in uh, Georgia this past week? I'm not sure how the NBA players uh, are, are actually going to react. I know they are going to react at some point. Uh, this, is, this is an issue that strikes against voting rights, and these bills target you know, areas where black voters are, are prevalent. There's, that's a big part of it. There's, there's more to it than that. A lot of very odious parts of this bill. Uh, but that was the move that MLB had to make. And it sounds like to me that uh, the players' union was a big part of that. And I think some of the star players were, were going to say, I'm not setting foot on that field. Not after this. Yeah. You know, this strikes against me and my family. So there, you, you can imagine a few of those star players are saying, uh, this is a no-go. This isn't going to happen, and we'll raise a stink about it. So Major League Baseball probably was left with few options. And um, I, I know that Sage Steele was talking to someone this week uh, with the league about it, uh, with Major League Baseball, and asking about whether this was the right move to make, that, that it would hurt Atlanta economically over a political issue. But it really is about more than politics. Yes, it's about politics. This is about the right to vote, and and this is you know problem for the NBA is this is going on in other states as well, going on in Texas, going on in Florida, going on in Arizona. So how they react is going to get complicated here pretty quick. But I think for baseball, this was an easy call. They they had to get it done, and guess you know for for one game maybe Atlanta. I'm not really sure about that. How how the one event works out, whether there's actually more cost in public services. And it was a statement that had to be made to get people's attention, to, to call this out for what it is. It's Jim Crow. Uh, I think the president said uh, it was like Jim Eagle. I'd say it's like Jim Bolcher. Uh, it's unacceptable in America. Uh, you know, it's not about being integrity. That's such a BS. It's, it's about data based on a lie about the election uh, having voter fraud when it was virtually nothing. That's the thing that fueled the insurrection. So we're, we're standing at the very heart of what the, what this country is supposed to be about, and the forces that have been trying to tear this country apart and actually did 160 years ago, and they fly back. I'm sure that there's going to be a response from NBA players, and I, and I hope there will be. But you know, in the meantime, if you're the Warriors. I think uh, there will be some statements maybe made on Sunday, but you're going to play the game. Yeah, well, hopefully they they play a little bit better. Uh, and I applaud Major League <laughs> Baseball, by the way, because that that was not an easy decision to make. Uh, you know, because now they got to figure out where they're going to actually have the All Star Game, and there's a possibility it could be at Oracle Park in San Francisco. So we'll see. You know, if that comes to fruition. Yeah, how about doing it in a state where they don't try to suppress the vote? Exactly. That would be a yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, and people are going to argue about it. Oh, it's cancel culture. It's woke culture. Get the hell out of here with that crap. I have no tolerance for that whatsoever. This is this is about a right that every American should have, Republican or Democrat. Yeah, absolutely. They're, tr- they're trying to they're trying to you know whittle away at it in every possible way because an election didn't turn out the way they wanted to, and they want the legislature to have control over election boards and things like that. The very pe- you know they're they're trying to referee their own game. Yeah. And that 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 strikes at our sense of fairness. So uh, maybe it will come back to California. Maybe it will go to L.A. since they were supposed to have it there. 
Yeah, that's a possibility, I think, yeah. Yeah. All right, so to finish finish up, okay, what's worse? I mean, the Warriors, yeah, they lost by 53. You mentioned that uh, Laker game, and I mentioned the worst uh, NBA blowout ever. But how about, okay, you've got in baseball – Rangers beat the Orioles one time, thirty to three. That was the worst baseball one. The football uh, mm. score, NFL Bears beat the Redskins in nineteen forty, seventy three to nothing. Uh, Ouch! <laughs> yeah, uh, the baseball one, by the way, that was two thousand seven. Uh, Whoever the coach was, fire him. Uh, well, George Hallis was the coach on the winning side of that. Uh, and the, the baseball game, by the way, that was 2007. That was kind of recently. Uh, but there was a high school game back in 1927. This one, to me, is the best one of all. It was a high school game where one team beat another in Kansas, 256 to nothing. Wow. <laughs> That's a little worse than what happened to the Warriors tonight. They, they couldn't have called it at 100. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's humiliating. I mean, that's that's rubbing the nose in the dirt there. You know, it's, 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 like when it's 147 to nothing. I mean, isn't the trend clear? Maybe it's time to pack it up and go home and you know have a hot dog or a hamburger. <laughs> wow, how is that possible? Oh, I see another one here. Wait a minute. There was a college game that was 222 to nothing. That was uh, Cumberland, Cumberland against Georgia Tech. Right, Georgia that's Tech right. won. <laughs> 1916. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was not at that game, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying all this to make Warriors fans feel a little bit better. It wasn't as bad as you thought, and it was just one loss. And and who knows what happens here. Maybe they start to play a little better, get that 10 spot, and uh, you know make it interesting for the fans, even if it isn't for Draymond Green. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be nice. Uh, but, you know, I, I probably haven't pulled any punches here. It sure doesn't look like this team is going in that direction. One of the reasons is, uh, you know, that their defense was improving for a while there, wasn't it? They were top five, top four for a while, and they've slipped back. And that's, that's the reason, as well as the injuries, why they're in the fix they're in now. And, you know, I, I don't see evidence that's going the other way, to tell you the truth, but I hope it does. I hope so, too. All right, we'll look forward to talking about it next week. Uh, we'll have a new national champion in men's basketball and in women's basketball by that time, so we can we can talk a little bit about that as well. So uh, look forward to talking to you next week. All right, sounds good, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on thesportsvirus.com.